Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday, June 30th, and it's 1 o'clock Eastern time, so that means it is time for Higher Ed Live Special Edition. I'm your host, Daniela Norton. I'm the Digital Engagement Manager at Skidmore College in sunny upstate Saratoga Springs, New York. If you haven't visited us, summer is a great time to visit, so come on down and see the horse track and eat at some of our restaurants and come see me at Skidmore. Today's live broadcast, we're going to talk about measuring the success of your digital efforts and reporting them back to your senior leadership and campus stakeholders in a format that is simple, and I'm going to emphasize simple, to maintain and to understand. Digital marketing professionals like me and today's guest from Oral Roberts University are responsible for crafting effective audience centric campaigns. Try saying that five times fast. These campaigns are complex. They include email, website, social media, search, constituent data. You can't understand whether or not a campaign is effective or where the opportunities lie if you don't track the right campaign metrics across all of these platforms. In this episode of Higher Ed Live Special Edition, we're going to learn how to measure the success of your digital efforts and how to report them back to your senior leadership. Um, again, stressing that simple and easy to maintain format. Higher Ed Life, before we get into that and before I introduce John, I'm going to talk a little bit about Higher Ed Life. Um, as you all know, it's part of the Higher Ed Live network. This is the Higher Ed Life Special Edition. We offer viewers direct access to the best and the brightest minds in education. Live broadcasts allow viewers to share knowledge and participate in discussions around the most important issues in the industry. Today's live viewing experience is powered by Maestro. Thank you, Maestro, the premier marketing tech platform for broadcasters. All episodes of Higher Ed Live are are free and accessible in the video archives at higheredlive.com and in podcast format on iTunes. If you're a podcast obsessor like I am, I highly recommend subscribing. Today's episode is made possible by Omni Update. I feel like we'll probably talk a lot about Omni Update today. It's the leading provider of web content management and digital marketing solutions for higher education. Skidmore is a client, and I know John at Oral Roberts is as well. The company's user-friendly platform and award-winning technology empowers 60,000-plus users to be engaged and personalized in online communications with prospects, students, faculty, staff, alumni, and your community. Whether you're looking for a CMS, online course catalog, faculty directory, blog, email marketing solution, check out Omni Update at omniupdate.com. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with educational institutions on branding, strategy, web design, and more. M. Stoner is now offering a free webinar on visual design for digital stories on July 20th. Uh, do you know how strong visual design supports storytelling? Because M. Stoner does, and I highly recommend attending the webinar where they explore principles for creating visual interfaces and encourage reading, exploration, and interaction. And to top it all off, registration is free free, and I'm pretty sure that we're tweeting out a link. We might have already tweeted out a link um, for that registration, so you can sign up. Okay, now that all of that is out of the way, I am excited to introduce John Anspaugh, the Digital Marketing and Analytics Manager at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I'm pretty sure it is probably 100 degrees at least right now. Not quite yet, but yeah. Not quite yet. It's getting there. 
Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about John and then I'm going to have John tell, um, let him tell us a little bit about John. So your title is digital marketing and analytics manager. You're the analytics and lead conversion expert, I think on campus, even though he told me right before we started that he's not an expert, but he's just dangerous enough to get by and cause some waves. Um, he has experience in every area of the marketing industry, um, I, I'm trying to think of even just what he was showing me, lead conversion, um, expertise, campaign ROI experience. And uh, I'm going to read right from his bio here that says these experience coupled with a natural ability for analytic analysis has provided John the opportunity to craft numerous smart reporting practices to increase efficiency through automation and reduce reporting workloads. Uh, that's a handful, John. So I'm going to have you unpack that. But before before you do, I'm going to encourage everybody to follow you um, on Twitter at ANSPAUJD. And I'm pretty sure that we've tweeted that out. So you can go to at Higher Ed Live and follow John from there. So welcome, John. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell us, um, did I totally butcher what it is that you do at ORU? <laughs> no, you covered it pretty well. The big thing about what I do at ORU is that I was brought on as a digital media specialist, and I've advanced through the ranks to now being the analytics manager and over the entire web team. Pretty much everything digital at ORU comes through me and my team, including ads, uh, web entities, email campaigns, landing pages, uh, form processing, data management, Pretty much everything under the scope of if you can find it using a smartphone or a website, it comes through my team. So like you said a minute ago, I don't classify myself as an expert at anything, but I have experience doing just about everything, video production, graphic design, print. I've done web development for going on a decade now. I put myself through school doing so. And so I've done just a little bit of everything, so I have enough knowledge on both sides to really see the whole the whole strategy, the holistic viewpoint, to not only see it from the planning stage, but also see where those where those cinch points are gonna be and be able to streamline the process across the board. I think your point about holistically being able to to look at things is really important, especially when you're reporting out to senior leadership, because at least at Skidmore, a lot of our senior leadership wears, you know, the advancement hat or just the admissions hat. So having somebody who sits centrally and can look at everything um, and really see that big picture and how everything interacts is really key when you're looking at metrics. And it also helps within the perspective of you have everybody in the administration has their own set of metrics that they want to monitor. And so being able to see the larger picture, you're able to really narrow it down and say, okay, this area is important, but we also need to monitor this set. We also need to keep this in a viewpoint because it impacts not only your area, but the university at large. Yes. Awesome. All right, good. Well, we're already kind of getting started, but we've got a couple of questions I want to ask. For those of you who are watching along, I think there's about 15 of you. Welcome. Please don't hesitate to ask questions using the hashtag HigherEdLive, and I'm going to do my best to monitor the back channel as these questions come in and field them over to John. So let's go ahead and get started by defining what we mean by metrics. Out of all the data that's available to us from Google Analytics, from email marketing tools, and social media, it's so easy to get bogged down on uh, buzzwords and what you think is important. So tell us what metrics we should be focusing on and reporting on. 
That's actually kind of a skewed perspective to look at with it. Metrics in general are anything that give you a data source to make educated decisions on. This could be click-through rates. This can be keyword trends, search patterns. It can be email open rates. It can be social media interactions, engagements. The options are honestly limitless with the growth of technology. The challenge that people the challenge that has to be overcome when it comes to metrics is not only figuring out what metrics do I need to look at, but why a lot of people look at industry standards and say, well, I need to watch my email open rates. Well, if your email open rates are close to industry standards, you're doing okay. You have other areas that you can focus on to continue that growth cycle and, or be able to focus on areas that are, that need more advanced attention. For example, at ORU, we have a very large international population. Our student body represents all 50 states and over 80 countries, and we're looking to grow that annually. The challenge for us is we not only have to look at the at the world in general for our traffic, but we want to be able to say, okay, Brazil is growing exponentially, but but Kazakhstan's not. So we can so we can logically and holistically view international, but then also those uh, those smaller segmentations within it using those same metrics or different for the different audiences. That's pretty impressive, but you can also get pretty segmented, right? Yes, very yes. much so. Yeah. So I think that's probably where that leadership comes in and identifying those priorities and those strategies helps sort of narrow that, that bridge and those segmented audiences for you. So, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So why is it important? I think everybody sort of feels like, Oh, the email open rate and Oh, you know, we need to be tracking all these things, but, but why? For the understanding of what your users want, need, or are utilizing. For example, we just launched our website back in May that that constituted roughly 80,000 A-B tests and student surveys in order to craft the first iteration of the site. The point of metrics aren't to see a return on investment. They're not, that's, I, let me take that back. That's not the sole purpose. The biggest point of uh, of metrics and monitoring data is so that you can iterate and continue to grow. So you know where to spend your time, how to spend it, and what areas are working, what areas aren't. Yep. What, um, so tell me a little bit, everybody's always talking about ROI and your return on investment, and it's sort of this ephemeral thing. Um, tell me a little bit about ROI and how you can calculate it and, and what's a good return on a, camp, a marketing campaign investment. Well, every marketing campaign is going to have a different ROI or different measurements that go into it. For example, if you're looking to do a lead generation campaign that your goal is to generate a thousand leads, well, your return on investment is what cost does it take to get to that point so that you can break it down and say, if we have a 3% conversion rate, we know we need to have at least 300,000 impressions so that you can base those uh, those pieces and then when you add the financial aspect to it you can calculate down we spent ten thousand dollars for this email it generated four students those four students enrolled and are now twenty five thousand dollar a year students so it depends on the level of the return if you're wanting a specific campaign or if you're looking holistically of this is a five thousand dollar deal but it gives us five potential twenty five thousand dollar students so it depends on the viewpoint. Yeah, it becomes really real when you start attaching that price tag to students, I think. 
Very much so. Yep. So talk to me about the importance of future iterations. You mentioned this before. Um, maybe you could give an example of how you looked at metrics and you were able to evolve and sort of adapt and come up with something that changed down the road. Yeah. Uh, so our new website, let me see if I can share my screen for a second so I can demonstrate this. And everybody say hi, Daniela. So what I wanted to highlight on this is the fact of our old our website that we just launched, like I mentioned, back in May. Let me put this up on the screen. So the top iteration that you see here was what was live before I came to ORU. Well, as soon as I came to ORU, we were tasked with creating, we were tasked with generating and coming up with new leads and new lead opportunities. Well, I looked at the website and found that it took between 10 to 12 clicks, depending on where you were, to be able to get more information from the university. So what we did is we implemented the second header, which all it was was literally shrinking the header to the left and throwing a form of first, last email, what program type of undergrad, grad, or online the students were interested in. The first month, we saw roughly a 300% increase in the number of leads that we generated. Now, that tapered off after a little while of having the form there, but we saw a substantial growth over the fiscal year. The bottom header that you see is the one that was launched back in October for the new website in general. We kept the same format of the same information, but we simplified the uh, the RFI form so that it's a responsive nature and it still highlights how to get information from any page on the website. Wow. Okay. First of all, a couple things stood out. 300% increase, which is huge. Uh, congratulations. And then second, I noticed you actually got rid of some of the nav items. So I think the ORU experience was gone from that, from that first iteration to the bottom header. And you used all stats and metrics to basically make that decision. Well, the reality of this is we actually didn't lose any links. We oh. simplified where they were. For example, the parents, current students, alumni, and friends, and faculty, and staff were shrunk down and dropped into a sub-region because we ne- we actually shifted the entire focus of the website with the relaunch from information-based to very prospect-driven. We wanted to take the homepage and make it very easy for a prospect to find the information they're looking for versus highlighting the different the different audience segments in general. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense to me. Tell me about your conversation for trying to get buy-in on making those changes, though. How did that go? It's actually a very large and tedious process to be able to do so, and I'll just be upfront about that. Yeah. Uh, our administration, they had a very strong viewpoint of what they wanted, but we were able to come to them with the data presenting this homepage is what appeals to the student body and prospective students. And we had the data from those A-B tests and from our student survey groups that we were able to present. Here's Here are the three or four iterations we have. This is how they stack up against each other for the purpose of the website. And by coming to the table with data, we were able to have a much stronger position and get buy-in for which one we actually wanted to launch. The numbers don't lie. Well, they do, but not in this case. Depends on how you twist them. <laughs> I love it. All right. So talk to us about the difference between it looks like you you optimized um, your links and tracking. What's the difference? And uh, And just kind of flesh that out for us. Well, let me first start off by saying if you try to track something without the purpose of optimizing anything, there's no basis for the tracking data. So it's a very circular pattern. 
Tracking is simply the act of looking at the data source behind it and how it behaves so that you can turn around and recraft or reiterate that portion that link the, the perception on that region to get a better result. So it's again, it's a very circular pattern of you optimize in order to get better tracking and you track so that you know what to optimize. Perfect. So let's get back to our KPIs. Um, how important is quality tracking data and how do you ensure that it is quality? Uh, honestly, that one, again, it really depends on the purposes. For example, there's amazing resource, uh, resources out there that everybody uses with Google Analytics. You can find bit.ly trackers for social media interactions. It really depends on the data that you're wanting to track. At ORU, we actually built an internal tracking device similar to Google Analytics that it allows us to tag any user with a specific code so we can track campaign codes across multiple entities and application points, RFI points so that we know that this student was touched by campaign A, B, and X to be able to credit back the return on investment for that student converting through. And within that perception, it gives us the ability to where we can actually look holistically again at the larger picture and say publication type one generated 60,000 clicks, but five RFIs or five lead conversions, whereas publication B generated 10,000 clicks, but 100 student conversions. So it gives you a better viewpoint to really base those, uh, those ROIs and those tracking resources on so that you can optimize, okay, for publication A, we're going to maintain using them, but we're going to do more generic campaigns. We're not going to invest large amounts of money for a specific campaign when we're going to get a smaller return. But if it's a simple branding campaign and we want to generate a lot of impressions, a lot of interactions, we know that they're a better resource because they generated more clicks. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. So, and I'm listening to you talk. Can you tell us what some of your KPIs are? It sounds like you are tracking conversions and you are tracking clicks. We actually have several that we're tracking and a couple of them, the primary pieces for our team, at least, the university has a lot of different KPIs that are tracked, but we're looking at retention data. We're looking at conversion points and conversion rates, as well as international based traffic. And there's a lot more to those that we track, but the biggest thing is we want to make sure that we're shrinking the amount of, uh, that I'm sorry, that we're growing our conversion rate by shrinking the efforts so that we're getting more by doing less. Does that make sense? I'm a big fan of getting more by doing less. Working smarter, not harder. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so you've got all these conversions, clicks, retention, numbers floating around. How do you actually track it and what tools are you using? You mentioned Google Analytics. Well, that's again, we're using Google Analytics for the whole site traffic perspective to be able to really break it down by their internal segmentation. The internal tracking system that I mentioned was built so that we can track individual campaigns. It's designed more so so that we can single out. We want to focus, here's an online learning campaign using publication type A, B, and C. We're giving the same amount of money, the same ad sets, the same groupings to both or to all three of those sets. Which one is performing better? It allows us a much smaller viewpoint on it. It's similar to the Google URL parameters, mm -hmm. but we're able to take a branded URL that's anywhere between 10 to 20 characters. So it's very simple and easy to track or easy for the students to remember as well and being able to track that internally. 
That is pretty impressive. You also mentioned your CRM and your touch points, your campaigns, and how often that student shows up and interacts with mm-hmm. your uh, within your CRM. How important is that CRM, and do you use that a lot? You rely on that? Well, we're actually in the middle of shifting to a whole new CRM. We're going to a cloud-based system that also interacts with admissions for the lead uh, the lead recruiting process. So there's a little bit of a shift going on within that sense. But the way we've done it up to this point is this: uh, every time the user clicks a link on our site, it you're tagged with something. You're tagged with a cookie. You're tagged with JSON scripts. You're tagged with all these different purposes so that, one, our website can learn you to generate the best content for you as a user the next time you come back. Beyond that, we're able to see, okay, this campaign is generating more interaction so we can focus that in. But then every time a student submits a request for information on our website, every time they submit an application, every time they go in and enroll for a class, we're able to track back through those codes to see this uh, this campaign equated to five campus visits. And out of those five campus visits, two of them ended up enrolling as a student. So we're able to see that full funnel, not only through individual campaigns, but we can tie in the retention data to it and see campaign A generated 1,000 students and 20 of them made it to graduation. So we have a very large holistic view over the data. I love it. Speaking of data, you've got data coming in from everywhere, it seems like. Um, One of the questions I have for you is I I need you to share some of your data flows. I have to see how this looks and how you guys are using it. Our data flows themselves, and let's see, I had that pulled up, are actually kind of, again, in, in a flux state because of us shifting to a different CRM. So I can show you what what we've done up to this point. Let me share my screen again, if this will allow me to. Maybe. If not, you're going to have to visually interpret it by dance. So like I was saying a minute ago, this was a rough perspective of how, can you see that, by the way? No, we're still seeing you. You're still seeing me. Okay, so let's see. How about now? Yep. Okay. So this was a perspective of the system prior to the engagement within the C- uh, within our internal tracking system. So you can see we have simple tracking links that generate into one of the multiple entities, a web, an email, ad, landing pages, vanity URLs, anything a student can click on is a tracking, is a tracking event. Well, that ends up going through the RFI process so that we can track where they go and that dumps them into a, into a specific table for us to manage the data from. Well, within the new system, again, it's a very complex system, but we've streamlined the process slightly by now taking the application data out of the banner system that we have in place, dumping back and matching up for those retention purposes. So the flow itself is very it's very organic. It's an action-based pattern of they go through one of these pieces, then they fill out RFI. That adds an entry for a specific event. Then they go and they fill out an application. Well, it then goes and matches back up to that student record so that we can see what actions have happened between the time of RFI and the time of application to see what engagements may have led them to that point of application. Wow. Did you draw that? Uh, 
Well, I drew it in Illustrator. Again, it's not a very good representation, but it gets the point across. It gets the point across, but it's, it looks, you said it's organic, but it looks really complex. Is there a way to simplify the information, you know, into a report that, that means something to, you know, somebody who didn't make that an Illustrator? Well, yeah, and that's, uh, that's where part of the issue within the concept of data processing, data tracking, is people... <laughs> waving at yourself. Yep. <laughs> so part of the issue within data in general and metrics reporting is a lot of people look at it and say the industry standard is an email open rate of 10% or I need to get a user engagement rate of 5%, but they're missing the four or five steps that lead to that 5%. So laying, laying out all of your data and making informed and educated decisions on what is the goal of the campaign or the purpose of what we're doing and what data is going to give us an accurate representation of a return. That's where a lot of people skip that step and they simply say, well, we want to see click-throughs, we want to see engagement, we want to see interactions, but they're missing all the pieces that, that create those levels. They're missing the fact that if you don't have enough people in general and impressions, you'll never meet that engagement rate. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at it and figure out, okay, here's an email campaign that the point of the campaign is to generate leads. Is it to generate a lead for a specific program? Is it the generating a lead for the university in general? Is it generating an undergrad versus an online student, on-campus versus commuter? There's all these different segmentations that all have different metrics, tracking, and analytic capabilities or issues and challenges that you have to overcome. By laying the map out for that, you're able to then base the decision of what data do we want. So like I like I showed you beforehand, part of it goes with after the fact of generating your data, you have to figure out what data do we need to show. So again, let me share my screen across real quick. Okay, so do you see this? Yes. So everybody that understands anything about data can tell exactly what this is. This is a simple Google Analytics report looking at a specific date range, looking at sessions, users, page views, and then with two different segmentations. Now, this was from an old archaic report, so I'm just pulling this as an example. The piece of data here that I want to highlight within the within metrics mapping and figuring out what you want is this is a very whole, this is a very large perspective to see. If you try to take this report to a board member or to your administration, they're going to start looking at this and they look at the wrong data. So, for example, on here, we see that negative 1.96%. That number is a very small number in comparison to everything else, but anybody that's a business person sees a negative, they automatically assume it's bad. So, in reality, what they need to see is this. So, it removes a lot of the big data, quote-unquote, and it gives them smart data. It gives them the pieces of information they need in order to make the informed decisions on how to move forward. Now, moving forward beyond this, this is in Google Analytics. It's very difficult at times to get customized reports down to the level of complexity or simplicity that you need for the purposes of that campaign. Now, one piece I wanted to highlight on this Within this, there are metrics reporting systems out there that simplify. So, for example, when I came to ORU, we implemented a system that allows us to take that same data and translate it into this kind of a report. 
This is much easier to read, much cleaner to see. It's very simple, and we can hand this to any administrative person, any business person, and they can instantly know what's going on. Everything is cleanly labeled, it's cleanly organized, and the system is automated. So if I need to run this report weekly, all I have to do is go hit this page, refresh it, print it out, and now the report is generated. That is impressive. And it sort of, it gives you the control over picking what to display and what not to. Because I imagine not everybody knows what a returning user or a new session is, especially at the board level. Yes. So you can pick and choose what you're showing. Yeah, I call it smart data, and a lot of people will argue what that term actually means. But people get lost in the realm of big data. Well, every every form of metrics or metrics reporting is, in essence, big data. You have to make informed and smart decisions about what data sources or representations you're wanting to display. For example, within that system I just mentioned, I could have one board member that prefers line charts. I could have another board member that he sees data better within a bar chart format. By simply changing that report for those two different people, I can give the same representation in the same chart, in the same report, simply by telling it a different parameter to give to that person. That is awesome. So are you the only one who has access to this system and developing it? Do you have help? <laughs> help is kind of a loose term around a, around here to where you. And not to say that we're all overworked or understaffed or anything with that, but everybody has their specialties. I have a couple people on my team that are amazing developers, and we have one new person to the team that he's learning the systems and he's picking it up very quickly. But some of these reports, there's the back-end knowledge of where the data resides in order to be able to generate those pieces. So, yes, these systems can be used by anybody. However, it depends on the complexity of the data that's being represented. Have you ever had a case where you have a board member or a leadership person who is convinced that you need to report out on a certain stat, but you know that they don't need to know that information? Do you have any tips on how to, uh, I I don't want to say convert them or to maybe refocus their efforts? The yes and no, to be completely honest. It's not so much of what data do they need to see, but more of what do they want. Because if you if you ask a board member what data do you need, they only can tell you what they know of. So a larger viewpoint on that isn't necessarily them saying, well, I want this in this format, in this shape, and then we saying, okay, well, that's not the best way to look at it. It's simply saying you want to see website traffic patterns for the last six months. Okay, is there a specific portion of the site? Is there a specific demographic grouping that you want to see? Is there a specific, it's crafting it into that smart data to achieve the point that they're wanting to see. So they may want to see whole traffic patterns in large and by themselves with no editing. They may want you to do four or five versions of that. Within that is where you come up with the crafting and having the resources at your fingertips to be able to craft that quickly, saying, here's what you want, but this segment is going to give you a better viewpoint. You want to know what the alumni status of the website traffic is. Okay, we can track that by a specific parameter. Here's a report that's going to show you that 20% population versus a full 100% of our site traffic, which may have an entirely different tracking rate. The alumni may be negative, the site at large may be positive. So giving more more segmented information is best when doing data sources like that, that you don't fully understand 
or that they don't fully know what they want. Helping them craft and figure out what portion of data do I need, not just this large viewpoint. Those are very good advice. So you've been talking about your reporting tools. Do you want to mention any of the tools that you've been using or recommend any? Uh, yeah, I mean, for anybody that's new to reporting data or that doesn't have a marketing resource at their fingertips like this, the system I just showed you, it's called Cyfe. It's C-Y-F-E. It's fairly cheap. It's between 14 to $20 a month, and they do have a white label version that you can completely brand for whatever entities you're wanting. I don't know the exact price on that one, but it's a very cheap system that has interactions and engagements throughout the industry. You can find you can either find a system pre-built for it, or it also allows you to do custom data representation, which is one part of the marketing reporting that a lot of the automated tools don't allow. You have to use a specific API or integration with Google Analytics. You have to have ClickMeter's API in order to have it work with it. AdWords have to be through an account versus if you're doing like we did with our proprietary system, we're generating the reports we want on the fly and then we simply tell the system, use this widget for this source with this date range and it does it for you. That's pretty impressive. And you mentioned um, Syph is giving a Higher Ed Live uh, listeners for this episode a special discount. We just tweeted that out. The code name is John's last name. And you're lucky that I spelled it because I was going to do a quiz and make everybody figure out how to spell Anspa. But no I did it, it for them. One. Yeah. So special thank you to Syph for that. It seems like it's made your job, I don't want to say easier, but maybe smarter and more efficient. It's definitely made it more efficient because like I was showing you earlier before this, within the Scythe system, we can create public URLs or secured URLs that we can take, generate a report, give it a date picker parameter, and then send that report to the person that needs this data on a regular basis. Then they can simply turn around and generate the reports on the fly instantly. The same goes as if, if you still have to do it manually, you have the report built, you simply change the date parameters, either print it out, take a screenshot of it, export it as a PDF, whatever you need is pre-built, but it allows a lot of instantaneous data processing. Now, saying it's made my job easy is kind of a, a misnomer because it's allowed the university and the administration to see different ways of representing it. So in the two or three years I've been here, I've generated a couple hundred reports with this. So it allows me the ability to generate it once and then be able to forget it but it has created more work in the sense of how the data is being presented and the different segmentations that were able to be done. Has it created more emphasis on metrics for you, you think? Very much so. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'd say a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah. Because metrics can be great and they can be horrible depending on the hand of the person that they're in. If you give the same 5% click-through rate to somebody that understands what led to it, it's a good thing. But if you give it to somebody that says, well, we needed seven, it can get misled and you can be in a miscommunication chain and it does create some issues. But it streamlines the process of generating those reports so that you can spend more time interpreting and iterating on the pieces that generate the data for it. So how often are you tasked with reporting out? on an hourly by uh, hourly basis <laughs> fair enough every hour somebody's asking for a report <laughs> they're asking for something in general like yeah. i'm my director is very good about what he wants and he'll look at a report and say well we also need 
this data in this formatting, or he'll generate an Excel spreadsheet that he's managing ma- uh, manually and then give it to me in a meeting. And I say, I can do this for you to automate it. So it's not only automating my job, but it automates the reporting for everybody else. We've started generating dashboards for people that have never been able to see their data, that they say, we want this information on this page. And then they look at it six months later, they see they need something different. So we craft it. We're able to adjust as we go versus fully custom reports every time somebody has a question. So I've got to ask you another thing. Everybody has all this data. They're sitting at it. All the reports are pretty. And now they need help interpreting it. Is that something that, you one, you do? And two, I find that that's an important secondary step. It is a very important step. And, yes, I do it. I'm yeah. one of the prime resources on campus for understanding what that 10% growth meant, what may have led to it. The challenge that I find since I'm able to see those data trends is finding people that say, we ran this campaign. It gave us this. Why did it do it? Mm -hmm. But if I wasn't a part of any part of the process leading up to it, I have to go and do the back end research to figure out what interactions, what audience segmentations, what pieces were done that may have needed to have been done a different way or what they did right and why it's why it's giving this report. The biggest question I get is, well, why does this show this when we thought it should say this? Mm hmm. And what, what's your response? <laughs> Depends on the purpose. Like there's a couple of our pieces. We track RFIs that in their dashboard, they see a specific number, but then in two or three other widgets, the numbers don't match up. That's because in our system, we're deduplicating it for individual types, but then showing the total number on a different report. Mm-hmm. So we may have 700 total RFIs in a week and then have online showing 680 and undergrad showing 640. Well, matching those together, there's a lot of difference between that and a large discrepancy. Being able to see and say, okay, this student submitted an RFI for undergrad and online, but together they're a part of the 700. It's pretty impressive. All right. We're coming towards the end and I've got a big question and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You've been there for three years. You're managing all this data. You're interpreting things. Have, do you think it's made a difference? Have things gotten better and has it affected the way you're recruiting and bringing in students? Very much so, honestly, and not to toot my own horn with it, but since we've implemented some of these systems, it's sparked a fire or it's sparked an interest in being able to see those data sources that have led to other changes across the board. For example, when I came to ORU, we started the uh, the website redesign. Well, it took us 30 iterations or 30 individual designs before we settled on the final design. So there's a lot of progress within that. And now since we've changed that, that's created the challenge of needing to redesign other pages or other portions of the site to match up to it or the new technology. So it's it's sparked growth in just about every area that it's been exposed to. The same goes for we implemented smarter systems of managing the, uh, the data of form processing in general. We started with one department. We've had people come to us and asking, well, how can we get access to it? Because we're seeing the difference it's making in other places. So it, I don't want to say it's made substantial changes, but it's also led to the decision to shift to a fully cloud-based CRM that we're in the middle of shifting to now, because being able to see the data on an instantaneous basis has sparked the interest for admissions to be able to truly see student contact points and communication patterns and flows on a minute-to-minute basis as well. 
they can now see the, the students requesting information, but they want to see every aspect of the recruiting process. Nice. Nice job, John. Thank you. I feel like we should all call John's director and tell him what a great job he's doing. He probably knows. All right. Before we take off, do you have any last minute tips for people who are just getting started? I know you've been doing this for three years and I know you're actually talking to a couple of my colleagues at Skidmore because we're just getting started this afternoon. So what would you say, you know, other than we should all be doing this, what are some tips you would recommend? The biggest tip, if I can give anybody, is don't just jump into it. Take the time, invest into the research, invest in figuring out what data you need over what data do you have. Because you may have tons and tons of data, but it depends on the purposes you're trying to achieve. So take the time, map out what your end goal of the report is and figure out what data is going to give you the best result for that report and then iterate. Constantly change the data that you're looking at. Constantly look at how can we improve or make this even more accurate of a representation for that purpose. Awesome tips, I think. It's something we'll all take to heart. Any last minute thoughts before we sign off? Uh, No, I mean... Honestly, I've joked about this with people in the past. I love what I do. I love the people I work with, and I'm always available for answering questions. You can find me at Twitter. You can give me a call directly at ORU. Whatever you need, I'm more than I'm more than happy to help, like I'm doing with your team at Skidmore, to help lay the foundation for for proper and best practice reporting. Awesome. Well, thank you, John. And thank you, everybody who turned tuned in today. You got me all tongue tied. We're talking about numbers. I don't know how to do English anymore. Um, Thanks to our program sponsors, Omni Update and M Stoner. And thanks to those who joined us on the back channel. We had some good conversation going. So that's it for um, today's episode of Higher Ed Special Edition. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.